Amen. Thank you, Brother Hughes. Always counted an honor to be able to speak to, as far as I'm concerned, and I hope you feel the same way, the greatest church in the world. Amen. The greatest. Amen. But if you would, turn with me in your Bibles today to John chapter 1. Try to be mindful of your time. Amen. John chapter 1, begin reading at verse 45. It says, Philip findeth Nathanael and said unto him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and saith of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Nathanael answered and said unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God. Thou art the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I have said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. And he saith unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter ye shall see heaven open, and the angel of God descending and descending upon the Son of Man. The message said it like this, Jesus answered, One day long before Philip called you here, I saw you under the fig tree. Nathanael exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, the King of Israel. And Jesus said, you've become a believer simply because I say I saw you one day sitting under the fig tree. You haven't seen anything yet. Amen. You haven't seen anything yet. So today, for just a little while, I want to talk to you on the subject, you haven't seen anything yet. Can we go to the Lord in prayer right now? God, we need you today. God, I pray that you would move across this place. God, that you would touch our eyes and our ears and our hearts today. God, I pray that you would speak in this place in a mighty way. God, have your way. We've got to have you, Jesus. We've got to have your anointing. Oh, God, and today we give you all the glory and honor and praise. In the wonderful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You can be seated. This moment in our text when Nathanael was approaching Jesus, and Jesus not only already knew who he was, but Jesus already knew where he had been. To us, under a fig tree does not seem like that big of a deal. If someone comes up to us and says, hey, the other day I saw you in the store, you think, oh, that's nice. Well, the other day, it's, it's kind of funny, I was in the grocery store and I saw you walking down the pasta aisle with your family. We wouldn't think much about it, it was just another day 
another run-in that somebody saw us out and about. No big deal. Had anyone else mentioned to Nathaniel that they saw him at the market, he probably would have just brushed it off and not thought anything about it. But apparently there was something about that moment in his life. That moment that he rests underneath that fig tree. I don't know if it was hours or days or even years prior that Jesus saw him under that fig tree. But whenever it was, it must have been a pivotal point in Nathaniel's life. I don't think he was taking a break in the shade and enjoying his bag of Cheetos. I don't imagine he was picking some figs for the Fig Newton Company. Maybe he was praying underneath that fig tree. Maybe he was in a time of loneliness and felt depressed. I don't know what was going on in that moment where he found himself underneath that fig tree. But all I know is it for it to mean so much to Nathaniel, it must have been a big deal. For him to know in that moment when God told him, I saw you when you were in that place. And it stirred something in him and says, somebody took notice. Somebody was paying attention when I was underneath that fig tree. The statement Jesus made about where he was, was enough to convince him he was the Messiah. In Nathaniel's mind, I imagine he was thinking, when I thought no one saw me, when I thought no one cared, when I thought I was hidden and alone, he knew right where I was. And he knew the importance of that moment. We've all been there. We've all had those moments of loneliness. We've all, all had the moments of question and doubts where perhaps we weren't in the fig tree. Perhaps we were just at home when nobody else was there as tears begin to fall down our face. And we wonder, does anybody care? Does anybody know where I am? Or perhaps we're just in that moment of prayer in our closet and we're seeking the face of God. But then you come into church on a Sunday morning and you feel His presence. And He begins to work things out and you say, Surely you knew what I was praying for yesterday. Surely you saw me when I was there by myself. So I know that you're more than just another man. I know that there is more coming out of Nazareth than just a normal man. But as great as it was in the mind of Nathaniel, Jesus thought... In his mind, boy, if you are impressed with that, the fact that I simply just know where you came from, the fact that I just know who you are, if that impresses you, then you haven't seen anything yet. We oftentimes place ourselves in situations like this. Are we impressed by the works and the words of God Yes, we are, and rightfully so. He is awesome, He is mighty, and He is worthy. But God is probably thinking you haven't seen anything yet. Just when you come into God's presence and you feel a move of God like you have never felt before, perhaps you've seen a miracle with your own two eyes and you think, can it get any better? than a bunch of kids getting filled with the Holy Ghost on any given Sunday? Can it get any better than my, my grandmother being in the hospital sick and God touching her in a mighty way and, 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 and her walking out of that place all well? 
Yes, it can get better. You haven't seen anything yet. Just stick around for the grand finale. You don't ever want to walk out on a good fireworks show. Because if it started off good, then you better believe it's going to end great. They're going to save the best for last. They're going to show you something awesome at the end that leaves you walking away saying, Wow, wow, that was awesome. That was wonderful. Amen. I know I've mentioned it before, but there was a young man and he had never seen the circus before. His family were very poor and the circus was coming to his town and he saw the flyer at school and ran home to tell his mother and his father. And he wanted to go so bad and the father told him, you can go, but you're going to have to earn the money to go. And he asked him how much it was and the young boy responded, it's two dollars to go to this circus. To see all I want to see is $2, which for them was a lot of money. So the father told him, well, you'll have to work for it. And the young boy did all that he could to earn that $2 to go and see the circus. He he worked very hard for those $2 that would get him to the circus. And finally, the day came where he got to leave his house. And he walked out the door and began to walk down the street. And he was full of zeal and excited that he was going to get to see what he's always wanted to see. He pressed his way to the front of the line as he noticed down the street there was a crowd of people. And as he walked up, he saw lions in cages go by. He saw 15-foot men on stilts going by. Guys with funny hair, painted faces, and a big red nose pranced along the street as music filled the air. The young boy was so excited that he got to experience such an awesome event. And he handed the last clown that walked by his $2 and went on home. But what the boy did not realize is that the event that he had got to participate in was simply a preview of what was to come that night at the actual circus. But the boy was satisfied with what little he was able to see. I wonder how many times we, we, we get to experience that moment where we feel a little bit better. Where, where God just gets us past that moment of, of loneliness that we felt when we walked in on a Sunday morning. And, and the moment we start feeling better, we hand them our $2 bills and say, Alright, it's been great. That was awesome. That was wonderful. All the while, the circus is not even taking place yet. What God really wanted to do hasn't even started yet. You just got to taste a small preview of what God really wants to do in your life. I believe God has done awesome things in each and every one of you, and I'm thankful for it today. But I've come to tell you, you being here today is a testimony that He is not done yet. You being in this place today is God saying, Hey, I know that you thought that one time was the best blessing you've ever received. But I've come to tell you today something better is on its way. Something greater is about to take place. I know right now you don't see it. I know right now you don't understand. But listen to me. If you were impressed with that, you better get ready. Young boy, don't be so quick to leave. You haven't seen anything yet. Greater life, don't check out too early. Don't miss out on what God has in store. 
I know you are pleased and satisfied with what God has done for you and your family. But he has more things in store. His word said, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man. The things which God hath prepared for them that love him. You haven't seen anything like it before. You haven't heard anything like it before. What God is wanting to do in you and in your family and in our cities. And we find that hard to believe that we haven't seen of anything like it before. But beyond that, there's some things maybe we haven't seen with our natural eye, but we've heard through the grapevine that the church down the road saw a blinded eye open. But, the, but what God has in store is greater than what you've seen. It's greater than what you've heard. And God has it in store for you. How many of you love Him today? Then He's got it in store for you. His Word said greater things are coming for you that you haven't seen, you haven't heard, you've never experienced it before, and I've got it prepared for you. I saw one put a thousand to flight. Hey, that's great. But I can put ten thousand to flight if you can just give me one more. I I thought I had seen it all when he spoke to me through a burning bush. But that was only the beginning. Nebuchadnezzar, you saw your men struck down just by putting those boys in the furnace. But you haven't seen anything yet. The wine that has been passed out at the wedding has been great thus far. But just wait until later. Later, you haven't tasted anything yet. Matthew 9 says, And when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was come into the house, the blind men came to him. And Jesus saith unto him, Believe ye that I am able to do this. And they said unto him, Yea, Lord. Then he touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. And their eyes were opened. And Jesus straightly charged them, saying, See that no man know it. But they, when they were departed, spread abroad his fame in all that country. As they went out, behold, they brought to him a dumb man possessed with a devil. And when the devil was cast out, the dumb spake, and the multitudes marveled, saying, It was never so seen in Israel. The church's greatest days are not behind us. They are just within our reach. These blind men hadn't seen anything yet. These blind men have not seen anything yet. They thought that it might have been it when their eyes were open, but they said, hey, I feel like this man's got some more that we can tap into. I I, I know a dumb man who's demon-possessed that we need to go grab right now and bring him to him. And when that man was delivered, you know that they just kept going on and spreading his fame over the whole world saying, hey, I was blind, but now I see. Come and see this man from Nazareth. Come and see this one who opened my eyes. And I I began to see some things. But he told me the same thing. You haven't seen anything yet. 
I would to God that someone would get desperate enough today in this old junior high auditorium to say, God, give me your best. Show me something awesome. I want to see miracle signs and wonders. I want to see souls filled with the Holy Ghost. God, I want to see somebody baptized in the name of Jesus. God, I want to see more than one. I want to see multitudes. God, if in your word you said that that same day were added 3,000 souls. God, it took place in one day. God, in one movement, in one outpouring of your spirit. God, I wonder what would happen. God, in this day. God, where there are many more people for us to reach. God, that there are many more people outside of our four walls that are waiting to hear what you can do for them. They are waiting to see, God, that you have something greater in store for them. God, they are waiting for one of you to go out and say, Hey, come and see this Jesus that cometh out of Nazareth. He knows where you are. He knows where you've been. And He wants to do something for your life. To those in awe of His resurrection, you haven't seen anything yet. The very next story in John reports that Jesus turned the water into wine. I wonder what Nathaniel's reaction was to that. Since this was even greater than being seen underneath the fig tree. He may have thought of this moment and thought, wow, Jesus was right when he said I hadn't seen anything yet. But then in chapter 4, Jesus heals the son of a royal official. And then in chapter 5, a man diseased for 38 years. Now, surely I've seen it all. Jesus was right. I hadn't seen anything before I met him. But then, in chapter 6, 5,000 hungry people are fed with five pieces of bread and two fish. Then he sees Jesus walking on water. But then in chapter 9, he sees a man who was born blind. And John reports that since the beginning of time, it has never been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. Why? Because we know the answer to that. Because it is impossible. But Jesus wipes his eyes with mud and asks him to go and wash. And he came back seeing. But he hadn't seen anything yet. In chapter 11, we have a graveside scene. This is a funeral service that Jesus arrives with his disciples. And John wants us to know that Lazarus had been dead for four days. He wants to make sure we know this so he shares it again. We know what it means to be in the grave for four days. We don't need to be told when in the grave four days it means you are dead. It means you are done. It means there is no more. And John wants to make certain that we grasp this so he repeats it twice. He knows that once we have already heard the story, we may take for granted that a dead man can come back to life. And John knows that it is impossible to make a dead man come back to life. So he emphasizes the point that there is no hope for Lazarus. It is in this context of hopelessness that Jesus says, let us go to him. It is in this moment that Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. 
It is in this moment that Lazarus, that Jesus asked, where have you laid him? It is in the midst of an impossible situation that Jesus, being deeply moved within, came to the tomb. Maybe Martha was right. Jesus was too late. If Jesus had only been there, her brother would not have died. Still Jesus said, remove the stone. And you know the people were standing there watching and waiting and saying, surely not. I've seen him do some awesome things, but surely not this. That man has been dead four days. But John doesn't stutter. He doesn't try to build suspense. He just tells it how it is. He who had died came forth. He who had died came forth. It's as simple as that. And the people that were standing outside, you know they had to be thinking, oh my word. I have seen it all. But even in this moment of anticipation of what is to come, I do not have a recipe for turning water into wine. I don't know how 5,000 people could share five pieces of bread and two fish and still have leftovers. I, I don't know how a man born blind can wash mud from his eyes and one day suddenly see. All I know is that it is real. This book is not full of fairy tales. It is real and it is sharper than any two-edged sword. These stories of these awesome things that happened, they're not just awesome things that somebody wrote about. It's real. And if God did it for them, then I know He can do it for me. If He did it for them back then, He can do it for you today. Well, you say, well, well, it's a different world we live in, and it almost seems like it is a fairy tale. It's not. It's real. You felt it before. God's healed you before. You've been filled with the Spirit before. But I would to God that somebody would get that mindset. God, I know there is more than what I'm currently seeing. God, I know that there is more than what I'm currently feeling. God, I know when you've spoken to me in the past, God, about where I was. God, I know that you've told me you have more. God, I know you've told me that greater days are ahead, but sometimes doubt creeps in. Who would have thought that one who was buried over the weekend would come back to life? I wonder if Nathaniel was in that crowd that day thinking, Wow, Jesus was right. I haven't seen anything yet. The disciples never imagined that Lazarus would ever join them in worship again. They never thought they'd get to meet up with lunch one day. Perhaps on that day, if those present would have asked, how do these things happen? They would have heard a response that probably went something like this. You haven't seen anything yet. After all of these miracles that took place, we can now see Jesus was right. These aren't things that just happened. In comparison, being seen underneath a fig tree doesn't seem so impressive anymore. Now that moment that Nathaniel thought was so wow, now has just turned into 
just a moment with God that forever changed his life. And now what has have his eyes seen? Now what has he heard? And to know there's probably going to be more. Well, God, you've done awesome and amazing things. Well, that's great. In his word, he said, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Don't be discouraged today, greater life. Remember, your destiny is greater than your disaster. Remember, your promise is greater than your problem. Your dream is greater than your distraction. I know what it looks like right now. I know what the people are saying. And I know we are out of a place that is outside of our comfort zone. But this is not the end of the road. Hopefully next Sunday we'll get to be back on our property. Worshipping again on what God gave us. And even then, that's not the end of it. We're going to get to walk back into our sanctuary one day. With hands lifted, looking back at where God has brought us from. And you know what? The sanctuary we're going to walk into won't be enough. But God's going to move us again into a bigger and better place. Amen? Brother Cox, your dream is still living on today. I don't care what the naysayer says. I don't care what the news report says. I don't care what happened to our building in a flood. A man back there was given a dream. Many others have been given a dream of this church growing and prospering. And now is the time because he said, You shall see greater things in the last days than what you saw in the latter days. Greater things are ahead for you. I know you've seen an outpouring. I know you've seen kids filled with the Holy Ghost. I know you've seen some growth in your church, but that's not the end. You haven't seen anything yet. Oh, God has a project, all right, but we haven't seen anything yet. We talk about our dreams all of the time, but we haven't seen anything yet. Pastor said he wants a 90-soul revival, and I believe we can see it and much much more. Amen. Because we haven't seen anything yet. Some of us think that would be too difficult to do. Our minds try to wrap our, our thought process around a 90 soul revival. And we think, well, that seems kind of far-fetched. That seems difficult to do because I've looked back at the past few years and I've tried to look at how many we won last year how many we've won the last five years, and I just don't see how it's going to happen. It, with us, it just seems impossible. Well, with men, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Don't think because we've been misplaced over here in this place that God doesn't take recognition of where we are. He knows the fig tree we're under. He knows the place that you're at today. And he's come to tell you today, I know where you're at. And that might move some of you. That might touch some of you today at an altar. And you may say, God, I thank you that you know where I am. God, I'm thankful you know where I've been. But God, I believe today your word that said that there are greater things. Greater things shall I see. God, greater things shall I see. Amen. Stand all across this place. I am thankful that me and my doubting self doesn't slow him down. 
Can anything good come from Nazareth? Can anything good come out of this situation? Can anything good come out of all of this? No, sir. But something great can. Something greater can. They say that good is the enemy of great. If you're satisfied with good church, you need to pray today. You better be anticipating great church. Nathaniel wasn't even expecting something good. But he left experiencing something great. God doesn't want us having good services. He wants us having great services. God doesn't want us to have a good revival. He wants us to have a great revival. I hope He just knows where I'm at. I hope He hasn't overlooked me. Nathaniel, I know where you are. I know who you were. But I know where you're going. I know where I'm taking this thing if you'll just hold on just a little while longer. I don't want to show you good, Nathaniel. I want to show you great. Good was what I called my work in the beginning. And if you are satisfied with good, sir, then you are in for a treat. If you're satisfied with the good things that I've done for you, Greater Life Church, then you better get ready. Then you better get ready. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Oh, my God. God, you're not finished with us yet. I've never seen a coach wanting to win a game put his second best in at the end of a game. And God did not save greater life, church, on accident for this end time. I believe some of us will live long enough to see this thing wrap up. And all of the things we experience with God and all of the awesome things we have seen, it's awesome, it's good, but we haven't seen anything yet. I could imagine if we only could sit down with John the Revelator. And ask him what he thought about what he saw in heaven. I can imagine he would say, child, you haven't seen anything. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and He will dwell with them, and they shall be His people, and God Himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death. Neither sorrow nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain. For the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. 
And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. God wants greater for greater life today. Well, we've seen some great years. That's wonderful. I'm thankful for them, but you haven't seen anything yet. Well, God has really blessed my family. I'm thankful, but you haven't seen anything yet. I'm not satisfied with good today. I want great. I believe that there are greater days ahead. Right now in this building, we may not see it. If we go walk in our sanctuary today, we may not know how it's going to happen or where it's going to come from. But God has greater things in store for your family. He's got greater things in store for our church. He's got greater things in store for our city. How many of you received that word today? God, I want greater, God, than I have ever had before. God, my soul is thirsty today. God, I'm not unthankful for the good that you've given. God, but I want great today. I know you've got it today. If you want more from God, I want you to come to the front today. God, I, I want that greater. God, I want that greater that you were talking about. God, I want to see it today. I want to see it in my life. God, I want to see it in the broken situation.